Welcome into another edition of West of Everest. For the third straight week, we are talking about an Oklahoma loss. And for the second straight week, we are talking about an Oklahoma blowout loss. Sooners lose 49 to nothing to Texas Saturday at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. First time I had been at the Cotton Bowl since 2010. And, uh, I mean, it'd be easy for me to say that I wish I wasn't there. But the night before, I told myself, listen, this is one of the coolest settings in sports. You haven't been in a long time. Yeah, the game's probably not going to be very great. But at least appreciate where you are, what you're doing, and just take it all in. And so at least for the first, well, pregame, I certainly did. And for the first quarter, and really for the first half, I guess, I took it in until, uh, well, you know, everyone knows what happened. So anyways, I am Lee Benson alongside Grant Benson. Grant, uh, you watched it on television on Saturday, and there was a lot of drama before the game about whether or not Dylan Gabriel would play. He went through all of the standard pregame warm-ups. It looked like he was set to go, but about a couple hours before the game, I had heard some rumors on the sideline from people that are more plugged into OU football than I am, that have better sources than I do, that, nah, he probably wasn't going to play. And, well, when uh, Oklahoma came out of the tunnel before the kickoff, he had taken all of his pads off, Dylan Gabriel had, and at that point I saw, oh, okay, well, yeah, my expectations certainly changed for the game, and uh, yeah, so here we go, Grant. What's going on? Nothing much. Just uh, just hanging out. It's a very peachy morning for sure. Enjoying ourselves, definitely. Nah, I don't know. I, I have no idea. Morning. I don't know what's going on. I, I have no idea what that was yesterday. Actually, I do know what it was yesterday. That was a, that was a pretty good football team beating the ever-living crap out of a pretty bad football team. So it's, it's easy to, you know, here's the thing. Okay, everyone's got their own opinion on it. And for the most part, it's all negative, negative, negative. Sure. I, you know, I'm kind of a, in, in probably a different spot than a lot of people because, yes, here's the thing. It's important. It's on the coaching staff to put the roster together, obviously. And I've never seen, I've never seen quarterback depth like this at Oklahoma and really anywhere. Outside of Dylan Gabriel, behind Dylan Gabriel, Oklahoma clearly has nothing, and that is unforgivable. That's I, I'm not sure how that can even happen. Uh, but the quarterback is the most important position on the field, and I just think this team is incredibly different with Dylan Gabriel taking snaps. And if he plays in that game and he's fully healthy, I, I like you, I said, no, I, I, I mean, no, 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 no. I, I can't let you get away. They lost forty nine to nothing. Grant, like that's the thing. They're a different team with Dylan Gabriel. The first I, half. I agree. I, I totally agree. But also at the same time, Lee, that was Texas's easiest game this season. Louisiana Monroe was more competitive against Texas than OU was. UTSA was more competitive. You're telling me that without Dylan Gabriel, OU turns into teams that are worse than Louisiana Monroe and UTSA? That means they're just bad, dude. Without Dylan Gabriel, Oklahoma has legit, like, they can't threat you in the passing game. They are a one-dimensional team. If you take the quarterback away from any team in this league and put Oklahoma's quarterbacks behind them, their offense is going to look like that too. They're not going to be able to do anything. That's my point. I've never seen anything like it. You can't expect the defense to hold on that long. The defense was okay in the first half, I thought. And after halftime, whenever Davis Bevel continued to play because there clearly is nothing behind them, Brent Venable said afterwards that throughout fall camp and throughout the week of practice, everybody got reps. All the backups got reps. And we thought Davis Bevel 
was our best chance to win the game. And the fact that Oklahoma ran Wildcat for at least half of the game, every time a Wildcat snap happened in that game, that was more and more evidence in them telling you, we don't have any quarterbacks here aside from Dylan Gabriel. No offense is going to be able to do anything. And so that's why I, it's, I understand what you're saying. Like, oh, they, they lose Dylan Gabriel and they turn into a worse team than that. Well, I, the roster setup, for whatever reason, and that's on the coaches staff, they got to make sure that they actually have a decent backup, which they don't. That, and that's why I'm not like, it's crazy to me that an offense can be that bad without their starting quarterback. But with their starting quarterback, the offense has been pretty darn good this season. So that's where I'm at. And I think the defense plays better whenever they think that at least maybe the offense can score seven points or more. But I guess what's your what's your point though? My point is they're that three, if Dylan Gabriel, like, I mean, I don't know, they're three and three. We already like we've already. I guess I don't like. What are you trying to argue? I'm trying to argue that this is a very bizarre three and three because it's easy to look at the scores and say, "Man, this is one of the worst teams I've ever seen." When is offensively Oklahoma with Dylan Gabriel healthy with the exception of the first quarter and a half against TCU when he was missing more throws offensively Oklahoma has been pretty good this year and they've scored a lot of you know a decent amount of points and when the offense has played well with the exception of the TCU game the defense was playing pretty good too and so everything kind of broke down against TCU and it was it was no, awful. I mean no Lee the defense was awful against Kansas State the defense yeah no it, it wasn't great against Kansas State but Oklahoma was in the football game because the offense was able to move the ball. And to me, that was like, all right, well, that was one. Let's see what happens here. And then everything broke down against TCU against a better passing offense. And against Texas, the Texas offense is, is pretty darn good. Sark has, and he's so creative with his play calling. And Oklahoma was going to give up a lot of points yesterday, most likely. It's just, you can only expect them to hang on for a certain amount of time whenever the offense can't do anything. And so I guess my point is that I think if Dylan Gabriel was in that game, Oklahoma was probably able to score some points in that first half, and the game is actually and then what, a game. They lose, by, they lose by three touchdowns instead of 49? No. Like, what's your point? No. They would have moved the ball in Texas's defense. Heck, they could move the ball with the Wildcat. I guess, can you, can you see no where I'm coming from where, like, you want to start this podcast off by saying that game would have been different if Dylan Gabriel would have played and they lost 49 to nothing? Can you see why I would think that that line of argument is silly? Like, why are we even spending time on that? Yes, I can see why you think that, but this is why it's such a unique situation. I've never, ever, ever seen an offense lose a starting quarterback and be that bad. Lee, it's, and because, I'm saying, Lee, it's because OU is bad. No, it's because there's They're no bad. quarterback behind Dylan Gabriel. They're bad. When Dylan Gabriel. When Dylan Gabriel has been in the game, the offense is not bad. The offense has been pretty good. That's what's so crazy about this. And my point is that you take away the starting quarterback from any other offense, take away Quinn Ewers and put Davis Bevel, General Booty, and Nick Evers on Texas. How's that offense look? They would have looked better than OU did yesterday. No, they wouldn't have. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, because Texas has Bijan Robinson and Xavier Worthy. And honestly, it looks like a better offensive line than Oklahoma does. And, and Sark is honestly a better play caller than Jeff Lebby is. Yes, he is. But once the Oklahoma defense would have figured out that, oh, wow, whenever Davis Bevel's the quarterback here, they can't throw. They just load up against the, the running game like, like they did against uh, like the Texas defense sitting against Oklahoma. That's why I, I've never seen it before. So I think there's, yeah, sure, you can be like, it's bad. They lost 49 to nothing. But once Dylan Gabriel wasn't going to be the quarterback, to me it was like, all right, well, they're not, they're not going to win this football game. I, I don't know how they're going to score points. We said it last week. 
We said it in the podcast. How are they going to be able to score points if Dylan Gabriel doesn't play? That's the biggest thing to me. And one player, the most important position on the field, is that huge on this roster. Whereas you should have a better, you got to have a better backup quarterback. And now we're, I think you can certainly be critical. That's on Jeff Levy, right? I mean, maybe this offense is not very quarterback friendly because his development of the backup quarterbacks, Davis Bevel, General Booty, and Nick Evers, if this is where they are, six games into the year where if Dylan Gabriel can't play, the offense has to go to the Wildcat for half the game, that's, that's got to be on him, right? I mean, shouldn't he be able to develop the quarterbacks behind Dylan Gabriel better? I think yeah, that's fair I, to talk I mean, about. Yeah, I guess what... I guess it's so weird to me that you kind of still want to talk about like alternate realities where OU still had a chance in this game. I, I don't. The the main takeaway from this game, Lee, the end of this game, the last three weeks, is that this coaching staff is doing a bad job. That's that's okay. by far the number one takeaway. That doesn't mean that they should be fired. That doesn't mean that there should that we that everything should completely change. But it does mean that through the first six games, they're not doing a good job. TCU went four and eight last year. They were terrible. They have pretty much the exact same roster. They have Sonny Dykes, who is an uninspiring hire, and then a bunch of other guys that no one really wanted outside of TCU, and they're awesome. They're about to be in, like, the top 10. There's no excuse. This coaching staff has been really bad. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not making any excuses for them. I'm just saying, I guess what I'm looking... I will make my final decision on Oklahoma. I'm open-minded. Like, I want to see healthy Dylan Gabriel play and see what happens there on out because... Yeah, this is obviously not a 10-win team. We know that. But I don't think this team is anywhere near as bad as they've looked the last two weeks because their quarterback makes such a huge difference. I that's think the Kansas State game is probably the closest to what they actually are. And, that's, and that's, that is before, so. that's before they lost three games in a row and have gotten just absolutely manhandled two in a row. They now know that if Dylan Gabriel ever goes down, they have zero chance of winning a game. The problem with this, Lee, is that things are going to snowball. Clearly, something happened between Nebraska and Kansas State. Something happened inside the locker room to the program. We don't know what it is, but they do. Brent Venables has lost the team right now. That does not mean no, he no, can't I, regain no, it. No, 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 no. I disagree. Here's what happened. What happened was they were not properly prepared for Kansas State, and they had really bad. They have not been prepared for that. three consecutive weeks. Three consecutive weeks now. R right. Yeah. Well, I mean, they played the, the two. The last two offenses they played have been pretty darn good offenses, but the, the Kansas State offense is not that good, and they weren't ready for it. And when you got third and 16 late in the game and you're calling man free, that shows a lack of... Exactly. You're telling know. me that the coaching staff did a terrible job. I just watched Oklahoma get absolutely shredded by TCU the week before. On the ground, through the air, struggling to tackle, throwing out that three-down look. They come out against Texas doing the exact same thing. No adjustments whatsoever. None. Yeah, so because I mean, the coaching staff hasn't happened. been good. I don't know why it hasn't been good, but they've been bad. No, yeah, no, I know. Like, okay, sorry, like, like when you said something happened to me, that that came across as like, oh, like some secret thing that we don't know, like happened in the, like, no, the, yeah, like they have not the whole. Okay, so I, I guess what we're getting at is we've touched on it a little bit in the last couple of weeks, maybe, uh, maybe not. I, I think we have, but I'm starting to think we should ask this question, and maybe we should have asked this. I think we maybe asked this after Kansas State. Yes, Brent Venables has this great resume, but. Is it possible that he just beat up on the ACC for a decade? A bad ACC. And this defensive scheme he has is antiquated now. Because I watched that game yesterday, and I, I go back to it. There's a lot of cushion out there. There's a lot of light boxes. And 
TCU had no problem figuring out how you know, ways to run against it. And Texas had no problem figuring out ways to run against it. Granted, these are two really good offenses. I, think. I don't, I, I, really, I don't really think smart that's legitimate. I think it's a much better explanation to say that he just had a bunch of NFL players. Lee Clemson, Clemson held that Ohio State, that historical Ohio State offense. They beat him in the Fiesta Bowl that year. Did a really good job. They beat Alabama twice in national championship games. They beat up on other teams in semifinal games. It's not, it's not just the ACC. It's 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 more. He just had really great players, but also at the same time, uh, you know, TCU doesn't have a bunch of great players either. Iowa State doesn't have a bunch of great players. Those coaching staffs are still getting them to play well. Well, I, I mean, they did give up points though in those games to so those good teams. Like the, Clemson was able to score a lot of points. Oh, he was giving up points, and and other teams are making it look easy. Texas barely broke a sweat yesterday. I thought in the first half it was I like mean, I, it, it was like. It, well, you know what OU's defense has looked? OU's defense the last two weeks has looked like hapless Big 12 teams going against Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. Uh, yes, 100%. TCU, they, they, yeah. The defensive line cannot get off blocks. TCU, yeah. The linebackers half, are bad. The, first half the defensive backs cannot find the ball, cannot find the ball in the, the air. The first half yesterday, defense the defense was fine. Bad. It's bad. The first, I, I don't care what happened in the second half yesterday. The second half of the game was when they tried a Davis Bevel back out there. It's like, all right, well. Nothing. Can, I mean, they even got a takeaway. The defense got a takeaway to start the second half, and didn't you know the, they went three and out when they got the ball back. I, I don't care. The defense, whatever. I, to me, it's like I said, it's it's stunning that one player can be out the quarterback, and that the offense can be that bad, and the game is over. And that's what we told you all last week was going to happen if Dylan Gabriel didn't play. And so all I'm saying is that I'm so intrigued by the fact that one player makes this team look so different. And I think that, yeah, the, the defense is not very good right now. But it's, I think it's going to play a lot more, I guess, uh, I just, savvy it's, it's football. It's just so weird. With, with Davis Bevel at quarterback, this is definitely a 3-9 and nine team. With Dylan Gabriel, maybe it's like a 7-5 and five team at their best. And that's, that's what you want to focus on? Even if they, even if Dalen Gabriel was healthy and they went seven and five, that's still a bad year for OU. Well, I mean, I think at this point, Oklahoma's 3-3. Three and three, Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not a great year. So I, we, you got your expectations, and I just like they, it's it's like Dylan Gabriel. You're like you're right that Davis Bevel is probably the worst quarterback who has ever taken a snap for Oklahoma football, at least in in, in recent memory. That's absolutely true, but also it shouldn't be the fact that be, uh, the drop off from Gabriel to him results in forty nine to nothing washouts. That should not be the case. But it is, though, because that's how bad they are on offense. I know, exactly. And you have to ask yourself why that's the case. It can't just be because of Dylan Gabriel. A college football program is more than just the quarterback. I know at Oklahoma that we know that it's very important here, and we've, we've relied on a quarterback bailing them out for over a decade now. But it still should not be that much of a drop-off. Like I said, Lee, the last two weeks, they have been one of the worst teams in all, all of the country. It should not be that big of a drop-off. That means they are just a bad team in general. Sure, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I, I can't really say anything here to to go against that because, yeah, they they've lost forty nine nothing and whatever fifty five to whatever. But I, the quarterback is that important, and yeah, you're right. It shouldn't be, but it is. That's the way it is. That's how important the, the quarterback is. And I I guess that's the offense that Oklahoma has right now. And that's the, the, I mean, they lost the best quarterback in college football. It's, I mean, I guess you can kind of cut them some slack. And they brought in a pretty good replacement in Dylan Gabriel. And I don't know what other backup quarterback options were out there in the transfer portal. I don't know. I, I mean, clearly they, got, they brought in Davis Bevel, who, as we found out last week. I mean, week, they tried. They went after Jackson Dart and Chubba Purdy. Well, Jack, 
both of whom would have, I mean, we're at the point, Jackson Dart, uh, you know, is probably better than Dylan Gabriel. Um, well, I mean, per- Purdy definitely. Well, once not. Gabriel but Purdy was in, is though, obviously would have been nice yesterday over Dave, over Bevel. Yeah, I mean, once Gabriel was in, though, I mean, who was going to come? In, who who that's any good at football was going to want to come in and be a backup to Dylan Gabriel? So that's how you get a guy like Davis Bevel, who we found out last week was actually the third stringer at Pitt, and so he actually upgraded to go to Oklahoma to be the backup. And oh boy, and he clearly doesn't have much competition behind him because I think if if General Booty or Nick Evers were looking better in practice we would have seen them they clearly aren't and again like the fact that the offense was able to move the ball relatively decently between the 20s with the wildcat for the first half last year uh, uh, last saturday yesterday i can't talk it was an admirable performance but every little thing oklahoma had to get done in the first half they every little gotta have it thing went against them and that's uh, brent venables brought it up after the game he's like we we feel like you got to play perfect right now Margin of error is not good, and that's true. And so whenever a little thing goes against you, it's going to snowball, and it did. Uh, whether it be Woody Washington not completing that interception, which I'm convinced after watching the replay of that, if Woody Washington was wearing a different jersey, literally any other jersey in college football other than Oklahoma's, he makes that play, it's an interception, and Oklahoma's defense is obviously still cursed from the 2000 team where they sold the program, sold to win a national title. I can't, that's the only logical explanation, Grant, to what's, what's going on right now. Because they cannot play defense. And I look over at USC, and Alex Grinch's speed D is giving up like 14 to 17 points a game with what we thought was worst players out West on defense. I, I just, it's the most frustrating thing that I, I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. And I've kind of started to figure out or started to kind of be okay, not, not okay with, but like, yeah, you know, maybe this is kind of what Oklahoma is. You know, that's kind of what it came across after the Kansas State game. Something's going on with this program. They bring this guy in there with all this defensive background, all this great resume. And yeah, I, I guess it's year one. It's probably not fair to think it's going to be fixed right away, but it's, I thought it was fair. It was fair to, to, be, to think they were going to be better than they were last year when they were a defense in the bottom half of college football. And they're not. They're not even close. So I, I guess maybe that's another part of me that, that makes it to where I'm like, ah, this is like, I want to see a healthy Dylan Gabriel. I think this team can play a lot better if he's healthy. If he can't play, it doesn't matter. Uh, if this team gets a healthy Dylan Gabriel for the rest of the season and they don't quit, I think they can still win eight games. I think they can still go eight and four because the rest of the competition, uh, Oklahoma State's pretty good. But I, I think, I mean, it's also possible Oklahoma's seen three of the better Big 12 teams in the, la- in, in the conference this year. It's a good conference. Uh, but, I mean, Kansas State hasn't lost. TCU hasn't lost. Te- Texas is playing pretty well. So that, that's another thing, too. I mean, they're playing pretty good teams. It shouldn't matter. They're Oklahoma. Oklahoma's supposed to be better than these teams. I get that. But it's, it's frustrating, and we'll see what happens. I know, like, I, I wasn't watching it in 1996 in John Blake's first year. I know, like, it's easy to bring up John Blake, John Blake. I don't know. I mean, like, sure, if they end up going 4-8, and eight, yeah, all right. Then with Dylan Gabriel healthy the entire time, then I'll, I'll sit here and say, yeah, oh, I was wrong. I was wrong. The, de- the team was still the same team with Dylan Gabriel. I'm just basing it off of the evidence of the first four and a half games is that they look different with him at quarterback with the exception of his – you know, his bad quarter and a half, quarter and three minutes against TCU where he was missing more throws. Uh, he makes those throws like he kind of had been or doesn't miss as much. Oklahoma's in that game more. They, they score more points. And, yeah, who knows? That's kind of where I'm at. Okay. Um, I think OU is a program right now, especially for a, a big portion of the fan base, is in completely uncharted territory right now. 
And I think everyone is kind of going through their own their own personal cycle right now of justification, trying to trying to figure out how they feel. And uh, yeah, it sounds like you're still pot. You're still trying to find uh, you know the daylight of where they can still of maybe where they can still recover. And um, I don't know if I'm there right now. I, I just I don't know if I'm going to allow myself to get there because of how disappointing it's going to be um, when it turns out they're actually just bad. So and, and that's um, totally fine. My thing is. What I've seen, and Lee, I, the the evidence is is right in front of you, actually, and that's I, I guess maybe that's where like I don't want to try to get too frustrated, but teams that turn around and go eight and four or nine and three or seven and five or whatever don't get absolutely destroyed two weeks in a row like they have like this. This is something that happens to the Kansases of the world. See, this doesn't. This is yeah. This, oh. this doesn't happen to teams that just turn around and can and can recover. Lee, they're bad. They're a really bad team. What I'm saying simply is that when I saw this offense on the field for the first four games, the penalties and stuff against Kansas State is what derailed it. It was moving the ball really well against a good defense. And then against TCU, bad quarterback play, missing throws is what derailed it. And then ever since then, he got knocked out early in the second quarter. I have not seen that quarterback. And this is the, the team has been horrific. All I'm saying is that when I've seen the quarterback play and healthy, this is a different team. And if I... You're, you're, you're essentially saying whenever Dylan Gabriel is not healthy, OU literally can't beat anybody, but they can be competitive and maybe win some games when he's healthy. That is not good. That's a bad place to be But in. that's where they are, though, and that's the way the roster is lined up, whether you like okay, it or not. Okay, so they're bad. So they're not good then. So well, I think... I mean, relative to Oklahoma standards, sure, but I think it, that, that's out the door by now. I mean, that's, just, that's not the... I mean, they got to get Why better... So that's why I'm trying to drill down. Why are you there? Why are we talking about that? Well, because You've, you like you're you're conceding that they're bad. Then well, my thing is that that they that they need Dylan Gabriel just to be competitive and to have a chance to win a game. Well, hold, I, no, hold on a second. I I think if they have Dylan Gabriel, they're more than just competitive. I think they're they're a better team than that because I think the entire team plays better whenever the quarterback and the offense actually can threaten the other team. Because again, the only thing we've seen is yeah the. I, and also, too, I'm taking into account, I think they played two really good offenses the last couple of weeks. Sure, they should be better prepared for them, and they're not. That's, that's a problem. I want to see they're how they... are about to play another good one next week. Kansas, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. And, 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 and you know, Jalen Daniels probably isn't going to play, but Jason Bean is going to play, and he kind of shredded OU last year, and I was watching him against TCU, and honestly, he's probably better than Dylan Gabriel. That's great. Cool. Hope Dylan Gabriel's able to play against Kansas. That'd be nice. If not, then, I mean, there's no point. That's the thing. I mean, I guess kind of like where I'm at is I think there's a lot of people who think that yesterday was rock bottom. It can always get worse. Oh, rock bottom's already, I mean, rock bottom's already happened. I mean, I. No. What if, what if, what if they lose by three or four touchdowns to Kansas? Will that be worse Kansas is good. on their home field? Well, Kansas is good this year. I mean, when Dylan Gabriel wasn't able to play in that game, it didn't, to me, it was like, oh, okay, well, they're going to lose. So it just, it doesn't, didn't really. I don't know, like, if Dylan Gabriel would have played and they would have gotten beat by four touchdowns, okay, that's rock bottom. And they would have. They would have. So you think that? I don't think they would have. I don't think they would have gotten beat by four touchdowns. Yeah, they would have lost. Instead of 49 to nothing, it would have been like 49 to 27 or something. Okay, and there's no way of knowing that. I mean, you have your opinion on it. I have mine. I, I don't think that's what would have happened. And you do. So that's the thing. It's like, I guess I have a problem with, like, I don't see this team, again, if – if they don't have a quarterback the rest of the year, yeah, they're going to lose the rest of their games. They can't score. Uh, if they have a healthy quarterback and, you know, 
people still think they're going to go like below 500. I just I haven't seen evidence of that yet. I just don't think that's where they are. So, you know, maybe it will be. I, I just I don't know. I don't know how you can watch the last three weeks and not be like, yeah, this team is in a lot of trouble of and and is <laughs> like in a lot of trouble of, of being under 500. I, I don't know how you they're they're 0 three in the Big 12 and they've gotten smoked. It's interesting to me that you're I, I understand where you're coming from. It's just what we when Dylan Gabriel has played and has been healthy, the majority of the, the offensive time has been really good. And so that's all I'm saying is that the, the last two weeks, a large portion of it happened without him being healthy. And I get that they were down big before he got hurt. And I told you after that, you know, after that game that I, th- I still had a feeling that if that Oklahoma was still in that football game because I think they're moving the ball pretty well. Well, they could have been if, if Dylan Gabriel would have finally snapped out of it. And so that's where I'm at. I mean, there's like clearly nobody else is there. And I just want to see more of this team with him healthy playing quarterback. And if they, they get that and they still look like they did yesterday, all right, well, that's all I need to see. I just I haven't seen enough of it yet. That's all. That's where I'm at, and I think the competition, the Big Twelve is really good. And that, another thing is like I'm I'm kind of using like I've said a, a couple of times. I think Kansas State's obviously pretty good. I think TCU is pretty good. And I think Texas is pretty good. Everyone in the Big Twelve is pretty good. Everyone in the Big Twelve is pretty good. I just don't I don't know if the rest of the Big Twelve. I mean, we'll see about Kansas. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. I mean, West Virginia. We'll see about Texas Tech. Texas Tech now has lost a couple in a row. I, I don't know. Maybe Oklahoma will make those teams look a lot better. Maybe they won't. I just, uh, I, I just want to see more Dylan Gabriel playing, and to see what the team looks like. That's all I'm saying. Because the quarterback is super I mean, important. I, I kind of know what the team looks like with Dylan Gabriel playing. Pretty inefficient. They rely on big plays. Yeah, but it was working for the first three games, first four games, really, on offense. Yeah, and but they were they were competent on defense in the first three games, and then they completely changed everything that they were doing, and they haven't gone back to what was working. See, I don't know if how much it, they changed everything they were doing. I don't think that's true. I mean, I'm sure they're doing a lot of the same stuff. The whole idea of preparing for each opponent and thinking of something else. I, I just maybe the scheme is not great right now. I mean, they can't get any pressure on the quarterback. Uh, I, they can't get any pressure on the quarterback because they have three defensive linemen out there. Well, they go three defensive linemen. They go four down linemen. I mean, they still mix and match it. They also went up against two of them. I didn't see. I, di- I didn't see four down defensive linemen in that game until the fourth quarter when they were down forty nine to nothing. No, they were. I, I was watching back the first quarter and a half today. They they mixed and match. They had four down linemen. The problem is is that whenever they would have four down linemen, they would usually just have one linebacker, Danny Stutzman, and the box would still be light because Texas spread everybody out. Hey, this is Lee doing something a bit unusual right here, jumping in after we have recorded the podcast to edit myself because Grant was right and I was wrong about the three-down lineman look. I had thought that Oklahoma had been in four-down linemen in the first half of that game. I rewatched it. I was wrong. They were in three-down linemen, the Sooners were. What confused me is I saw some looks where it seemed like they were in four-down linemen, but instead I saw five guys near the line of scrimmage. It was three-down linemen, one of which then on the edge was David Aguebu, and the other was normally Deshaun White on the edge. And it was obstructing my view. For some reason, I thought I saw four down linemen. And nope, it was three. Again, I was wrong. Grant was right, and I wanted to make sure I put this in the podcast before I published it out so you guys would know that I'm holding myself accountable. Now, back to the rest of the show. And again, I thought the defense, 
in the first half was fine. Three and out the first game. Yeah, no, I mean, they were better than they were against TCU, and it didn't help that Texas played extremely well. But they're still bad. They can't, they don't have any difference makers. They, they don't. So, sure, yeah, I don't no, know. It, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a combination could... of everything. Their players actually aren't very good. They're, they're not as good as we thought they were. And Venables and his, and his, and his staff are not having them play well, are not getting them to play well. Yep. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I wonder if, uh, I wonder where we are with that. I mean, if if they let's say they do get uh, healthy Dylan Gabriel for the rest of the season, and uh, you know no setbacks and he plays, and it's it's what you're saying. It's more along the lines of what you're saying, and they do end up, you know, finishing six and six or five and seven. I mean, is it possible? Is is it within the realm of possibility that they could clip Brent Venables after one season? I'd say probably not. Probably not. No, and I don't even like. I I don't think it's fair, really, to get to that point yet. But I gotta say, like, I don't. I'm trying to think of any, like, a new hire in their first season who, and like we, I mean, Sweeney wasn't amazing in his first couple years. Saban wasn't amazing in his first years. I can guarantee you they didn't lose back to back games by 31 points and 49 points. See, I guarantee you that did not happen. See, but I, I. And I clearly you don't care about this, but I think there's a huge asterisk with the quarterback situation. I think that matters. And again, it's on them to make sure that the roster is better. So I will acknowledge that. And at some point they had to have known whether it be in spring ball or in August that, oh, my gosh. We have nothing behind. And we were talking about how there was nothing behind Dylan Gabriel anyways. I guess I didn't think it would be anywhere this bad, though, because I just assume that if you're a college football quarterback, I guess. Yeah, I just don't. And like I agree with you that it's it's so it's so odd. like when when Davis Bevel ended up being the starting quarterback who's really it was extremely deflating like I, I I get it like I understand that but I just I don't see how you take away that your number one takeaway from that game you're so tunnel visioned on the quarterback when there's so many other issues that are right there that are still going to be there even if Dylan Gabriel is playing the well the issues will be on defense but I think the defense. Again, defense is bad. It's been atrociously terrible three consecutive weeks. I mean, I'd like to see what the defense would look like if the offense could actually score and put a little bit of pressure on the opposing offense. I mean, that, that didn't happen really. That obviously didn't happen yesterday. That's the thing. I mean, I just think it is a team thing. I mean, I'm just put myself in the other in the defensive players' minds. Like they came out and they they did their best and they they you know they got Texas off the field. I mean, it was seven nothing after the first quarter. It still it still feels like you're trying to you're trying to justify why they're not going to go three and nine. Well, yeah, I am because I think the quarterback is that important because that's and that's fine. Yeah, I think it's I, I think it's unlikely they go three and nine. I'm not I'm not ruling that out at all. But yeah, I mean, I, th- I, th- I think they're going to be in a game and have a chance to win a game, probably multiple games the rest of the season. I, I just don't think it's going to be I think when they actually play the really good teams like or I guess the ones they have left and I don't know who they are left. They're really going to struggle because they're just they're not good. All right, let's do three-word reviews. Steve McGee at News 9, he says, a bowl game, question mark. Our old friend David Leak says, zero tolerance policy. Not really sure what he is referencing there. Maybe because of the zero points scored, I guess. I don't know. Maybe David can let me know later on. Billy says, everything hurts. Patriot Party says, flush the tape. Matty G says, Roof, Lebby, fired. 
Uh, by the way, this is on Lee Benson, at Lee Benson News 9. This is all on Twitter. I got a ton of these, not surprisingly, because uh, obviously you guys wanted to sound off. Uh, Terry says, why Davis Bevel? Well, we've talked about it already on the show. I, again, they were telling us throughout the game that whatever's behind Davis Bevel is somehow even worse. Yeah, and it's like, and I've, I, we were talking before, and I've, I've just kind of theorized it has to be because Dylan Gabriel and Davis Bevel are the only quarterbacks on campus who can, who can consistently get plays off. As in, they can actually get people in the right spot, get the right play call in, and get everybody operating on the same page. They're probably the only two quarterbacks who can consistently do that. I'm sure, I'm sure Evers and Booty, and I, I'm a, that has to be what's wrong with Micah Bowens. He's just not able to command a huddle. I don't know where he's been, uh, but that's that has to be what's going on with the other three. I mean, if that's the case, though, then that's... That's a problem for Jeff Lebby. I mean, his offense doesn't seem like it's that complicated. The complicated part is just the tempo. It seems like all of the the schematics, there's a lot of inside-outside zone. And then, I mean, a lot of slant routes, some go routes. I don't know, man. I mean, maybe these guys just don't see it. I mean, Davis Bebel barely sees it. I mean, he... It's a he's a one read guy. He stares everything down. I, I'm not sure how he didn't throw more picks. But Grant, oh, actually, yeah, I do know because he didn't throw very many passes because there's very few attempts. It, it, I mean, playing defense against him whenever he was out there had to have been the easiest thing ever, man. I, it, immediately when he takes a snap, you know exactly where he's going with the football. He stares down his guy. It's, it's either going to be a slant. I'll give him a little bit of credit early in the game. He did recognize Marvin Mims one on one single coverage on third and long. It was a bad pass, so it didn't matter. But at least he got it away and didn't take a sack, which he took a bunch of sacks in the second half. Uh, and that's the thing. It's like if there's any sort of juice or possibility of them doing anything after halftime and Davis Bevel came back out there, granted, maybe the, the team knows that Nick Evers and General Booty are also really bad. But I don't know. I mean, at least try to do something to get the mojo switched up. And But again, we're not in the practices. We're not in the huddles. Uh, I mean, they probably – if they thought that Booty or, or Evers could have provided a spark, I'm sure they would have done it. They probably didn't think it was possible. <laughs> I mean, it's not. Yeah, it's just it's it is what it is. I mean, once they started rolling out the the Wildcat stuff, it was just like it started to hit me like a ton of bricks. They have no answers. Gus says honeymoon is over. That ended a couple weeks ago. Gun zombie strange love Gonzo strange love. Back with three-word review says coordinators competence questionable. Everything is questionable on the coaching staff for sure. Kelly keeping it positive says up from here. Lamont says unleash freshman players. Sheed says Colton Vasek gone. I know he's one of the the commits they have, and yeah, I mean it's fair to wonder how many guys are they going to lose, how many decommitments are they going to get. That's the thing is. The recruiting yeah like this thing can that's where I, I think that's where and like I don't want to say I'm frustrated but that's where I guess because that's where my mind is right now I'm not thinking about Dylan Gabriel versus Davis Bevel I'm thinking about how quickly this thing can snowball because mm-hmm. yep. it can it, they're they are absolutely in that danger zone right now they uh, they if they come at Lee if they just lose to Kansas that they are absolutely in danger of everything just completely coming off the rails to Brady, Brady Kendrick says, out on Lebby. Says, the tempo is a gimmick, and yes, I know Gabriel's hurt, but some of the decisions and calls during the game by the offensive staff were indefensible. So I'll give, 
I'm going to give Jeff Levy a little bit of credit because the, the whole Wildcat situation, they, again, between the 20s, they were moving the ball better than they probably should have been able to move it. Obviously, uh, you know, when they got t- down to it, they, they couldn't turn it into touchdowns. And, you know, the first time they went with the Wildcat in the first quarter, I was watching the back. The uh, Braden Willis picked up that fourth down and two. And then they went right back to Davis Bevel. And they got to the point where they couldn't get a first down. They got the fake field goal. And then they went back to Bevel. And then they, they got Marcus Major first and 10 on a GT counter. He was a broken tackle away from scoring a touchdown. And on second down and three, OU could not pick up three yards the next three snaps. And it was all just run, run, run. And there was no sort of threat of a pass. And it was so easy for Texas to play defense on it. Uh, and then obviously the Eric Gray time later in the second quarter, they were moving the ball, moving the ball. And then inevitably, of course, there was going to be a pass. And of course, it was a terrible pass and it was interceptions. Like just they gave it a shot and they, they had nothing. I mean, they, all the tricks, they I think they like the fake field goal, like everything they kind of had probably they used. It just didn't matter because they just they couldn't do anything with it. And then once everything was used then, and they had to go back to more traditional offense. Yeah, it was. Obviously, they had no chance. Roy says four-letter words. <laughs> Pretty good. More from Brady. He says, BV the guy? Question mark. Certainly fair to question at this point. It's football, man. Need results. Josh, a longtime listener. He's keeping it positive. Says, still my team. Uh, Natus underscore XLVI says Davis Bevel again. There's a lot of these guys. I appreciate all of the three word reviews. Ryan says sucks to suck. This is pretty funny. This is not a three word review, but CNC machine on Twitter (laughs) replied and said, hey, trying to get me banned from Twitter. Not today. That's pretty good. Matt is pushing panic button. There's a lot of this stuff, not surprisingly. Um, yeah, this is uh, this is fair. Um, Kyle says, very, very painful. Here's the thing. I, I feel bad for everybody that went to the game. If you spent a lot of money and went to that game, I, I mean, I guess going into it, you knew there was a chance that Gabriel wasn't going to play, probably a pretty good chance. And so hopefully whenever you saw Gabriel wasn't going to play, your expectations were set. <laughs> that's how it was for me. Uh, but, man, that's it. just that wasn't very fun. Joff Lebby says, booty must stink. And uh, the last one we'll do on Twitter. You guys, you, got, you, got, you gave us a lot. I appreciate it. We'll go with Caleb. He's a longtime listener to the podcast. Caleb says, in the pod. Have we, uh, I know we say a lot of things on this podcast. I know that we made references to ending the podcast if certain things happen. Did we make some sort of prediction or thought if they... I don't know. We probably said something. Yeah, you did. I think after the after the Kansas State game, I think you said something like if they if the defense plays against TCU like they did against Kansas State, we may not do this podcast anymore. Okay, yeah. You actually said that, I believe. Well. Well, and you know what? You're holding me to my word and for that this is the last episode of West of Everest. I think uh that makes the most sense. We uh, started with the Lincoln Riley air No, I, I no, we're not there yet, but we get more of this. Uh, who knows? Gunny of Stutzman's Army says that was terrible. Boo says this is bad. <laughs> and Mark, probably uh, the best way to end it on the Twitter three-word review, says I don't know. 
And again, a lot of you guys put a lot of great stuff on there. I appreciate all the help. We'll go to the West of Everest Facebook page because we appreciate all of you who follow the West of Everest Facebook page and follow the podcast there. Zach says, wow, that hurt. Jaden says, rebuilding takes time. Trey goes retro 90s team. Scotty says, Braden Willis fan. Yeah, you got to give some credit to guys like Braden Willis, Eric Gray, Jaleel Farouk. Those guys took a lot of punishment yesterday. Marcus Major to some extent. Because you know they're going to get the ball. You know they're going to run it. And they took a lot of hits. And that's, I mean, that sucks. It sucks they got to take a lot of hits. Because it opens them up to injury. I know Jaleel Farouk left the game for a bit. He took some tough hits. Came back in, thankfully. But, man, that's just, you don't have a quarterback. All the other guys are going to take some hits. Interesting how they didn't wildcat Marvin Mims. It's like, eh, we're not going to risk getting this guy injured. And I feel yeah, bad I for Marvin I don't Mims. understand. I don't understand why they're using Drake Stoops on those jet sweeps. That's not really his bit. I don't know. I think Marvin Mims had one touch, maybe two. I feel bad for him, man. This is going about as badly as it. I mean, the first three games, it was going great. And then really the first four games, I think he did a little bit against Kansas State. Well, I know. Well, they better. I mean, when, when Gabriel comes back healthy, if they're not, if their offense doesn't just turn into target Marvin Mims and Jaleel Farouk like every other play then I don't know what they're doing yeah Philip says do something different Uh, Michael says well now what Bradley says players not scheme yeah I mean there's certainly a, a world in which we were all just horribly wrong about what we were you know seeing the last couple of years but here's the thing I mean the recruiting classes that Lincoln Riley were bringing in were pretty good, right? So, you know, maybe those guys weren't developing developing the players. Kind of similar to Texas, and it was all being uh, covered up by elite quarterback play. Yeah, I mean, we already know a lot of the. the I mean, the yeah, I mean, you was. can. Yeah, you can say that all day long, but it still doesn't. It still doesn't excuse the fact that it's completely fallen off a cliff. Like I said, TCU is a bad football team last year. They have virtually the same roster, new coaching staff, maybe the best team in the Big 12. Sydney says, this is good, longtime listener Sydney. He says, embarrassing, and then he puts in parentheses, word two, word three. All Sydney needed was one word, embarrassing. And finally, Russ says, no thank you. Thanks to all of you guys who... Provided a three-word review, I know that was either probably difficult or fun or neither or who cares because Oklahoma's lost three in a row. So here's the thing. Here's kind of I, I, I get it. Uh, you know, my mentality on on this is definitely different than a lot of people. Um, I just I don't remember. You know, I, the the last time Oklahoma went, went you know eight and five or whatever, and they got smoked by Clemson. And I was at fourteen. I wasn't watching a whole lot of OU football back then, so I didn't see a whole lot of it. So this is kind of a new thing for me. Uh, the last time I really I, kind Lee, of... This is way worse than that. Well, again, the asterisk of no quarterback is kind of what... You know, I, I want to see more from that. Because could you point to that kind of stuff whenever they were losing before? I mean, the quarterback play? I mean, there, was their backups that bad? Were they getting injured? Not to mention the most important guy on defense might be Billy Bowman. He didn't play either. So, you know... Yeah, you're supposed to have better depth than that. I get it. Better depth. That's part of the thing. So I think that kind of is what makes me more sanguine towards it. But um, where was I going to? Oh, yeah. I was getting to the point where, hey, you know, 
This is something that Oklahoma fans don't ever get to experience or very rarely get to experience. Exactly. That's why it's you know the That's why it's disorienting. Sure it is. Like it's Lee, that's why I'm that's why I'm sort of like when you when you want to talk about Dylan Gabriel, this is the worst OU team I've ever seen in my life. Okay. Well And so like it's kind of it's it's hard for me to be like dude, that's the story. It doesn't like it doesn't matter between <laughs> Gabriel and Davis Bevel. Like it does on a micro level, but when you're talking about like the big picture, it just really doesn't matter at all. This program's in a world of hurt. Okay. Yeah. I mean, what I was getting at is that you know, for the first time in a while, I mean, this program gets to know, kind of gets to know what it feels like to maybe savor a win, you know, not take wins for granted. And, you know, like, when did Oklahoma win the national title last? 2000, right? They had come out of a, a decade of futility. Uh, you know, you, you don't think it, you know, the, the program needs that. You wish it doesn't need that to get back to where it was. But now we're kind of there. We're, we're to the point where now it's like, what, what's going on? I, I don't know. Uh, and is it the coaching staff? They certainly deserve a lot of the blame. It's on them. Yes. On the, yes. So yes. The thing is, though, I they're mean, the only ones who can fix it at this point in time. Yeah. It's like I, I understand. I understand the the difficult spot that the last coaching staff put this put this one in. I don't want to hear excuses at this point in time. Not when not when what what TCU staff is doing with their team and what other new staffs have been doing as well. Like I, I don't want to hear excuses now with what Lance Leipold has done at Kansas. No excuses. And Britt Venables has not made excuses, neither has any of the other coaching staff, not surprisingly. Hmm. I think that's about it. That's all I got. Um, yeah, that'll do it. Got anything else? No, I'm just, uh, I said, yeah, uncharted territory. It's, it's going to be a long, tough second half of the season in all likelihood. All right, we, we shall see. Uh, oh, by the way, still no clarity on Dylan Gabriel. Still in concussion protocol. That's kind of the gist I got from uh, Brent Venables after the game. He said he felt great. He's been feeling good all week. It's just kind of that's not, not surprisingly. You know, he took a big hit, and they didn't you know, put him out there. So who knows? Maybe we'll, I, I tend to kind of think, you know, give him an extra week, and he should be good to go this upcoming week. Because, again, he, he said he was, you know, Venables said he was feeling good. But uh, yeah, we'll see moving forward. Yeah, if you want to be you want to be positive, there there it is. Get get Gabriel healthy for next week. See if he can somehow scratch out a win against Kansas going into the bye week and 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 try to recover. All right, we'll be back in the middle of this upcoming week to talk about what the heck's going on in the OU football world. So until next time, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the show. And if you want to help us spread the word, please leave us a five-star review. And also, tell all of your friends who are OU fans about West of Everest. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.